Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast, featuring Ted Ings and his distinguished guests. Each week, you'll gain valuable insights to level up your game in retail automotive's fixed operations. This episode is brought to you by BG Products, partners beyond products. And now, here's Ted Ames. Welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Chris Chesney has addressed our conference several times before. He is the Vice President of Training and Organizational Development at a company called Repairify that's making huge inroads uh, in our automotive industry. Chris, welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Hi, Ted. How are you? I'm great. I got I to gotta ask you a question, though. Uh, did you like the Star Wars theme better than the Roaring Twenties? Um, just because I know you were really into some of the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi and some of the stuff that we did together on that uh, event just well, a few months Well, ago. I think my answer is in my dress today. I didn't dress up for the Roaring Twenties, so I'm still going to stick with Star Wars. All right. Well, uh, I'll give you a pass on that. Uh, but, you know, very timely, the work that you are doing now at Repairify and how it applies to our audience, to our dealers, uh, Chris. Uh, these ADAS systems are driving enormous safety enhancements uh, and complexity uh, in uh, today's vehicles and repairs. And while there may be fewer crashes uh, that are happening, uh, that overall complexity is up. And uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, something called the pre-repair scan and um, how that affects uh, the repairs and uh, OEM sourced ADAS calibrations. And really, if you could take us through that. So uh, if it's okay, Chris, what is it about the newer vehicles technology that makes them more challenging uh, to the repair? And how do service departments, you know, overcome that challenge? Gosh, I think we only have, uh, what, two, three hours to do this. So (laughs) I'll try to be brief. Uh, The vehicle we work on today and that's being sold off the new car Uh, showroom floor is really a computer with four wheels that is mobile. In fact, Elon Musk is famous for saying uh, and trying to justify that Tesla is not a car company. It's a mobility company. Uh, They build mobile computers. And if you consider that 93% of the vehicles that are being sold today have one or more advanced driver assist safety system on board, uh, that need to be uh, returned to uh, an as-designed state if the vehicle is damaged in a collision, or if it's even just aligned uh, in, in a wheel alignment during a normal service, preventive maintenance service, uh, after they buy a new set of tires, anytime the vehicle is interacted with in a service uh, effort, we need to consider these safety systems. And the safety systems are really something that uh, kind of snuck up on the industry. And I would challenge the industry to look at them as an opportunity to have a better conversation with their customers because it's the motorist who really doesn't understand what these systems are. In fact, many of them are annoyed by them. Uh, If you've ever driven a a vehicle with a lane departure warning, that just kind of warns you when you're getting outside the white lines. But if you have lane keep assist where it actually nudges you and tries to steer you back into the center of the lane. The first time I drove one of those vehicles, it annoyed me to the point where I opened up the menu while I'm driving down the road and turned that feature off because it was so annoying. 
And our customers are doing that still today. Yet this past month, we had the highest casualty uh, rate in our industry uh, over the last decade. Uh, vehicles on the road that caused uh, injuries or casualties uh, caused by a motor vehicle, motor vehicle accident. You would think, well, all these new technologies are in play today on, on the vehicles that are being sold. Why are we seeing that? Well, it's because the new car dealer, the salesperson that sold the vehicle maybe didn't onboard the motorist in a way that helped them understand the value of keeping those systems on, on and what it can do for them as well. We are coming out of COVID, and during COVID, we found that not only did miles travel decline during that period of time, but for those people that were out driving, they were driving faster, and the severity of the collision, the speed at which the impact occurred, actually increased. And so the, the collision severity was increased uh, in what we saw in the collision centers. So... We've got all these safety systems that came into play over the last 15 years, and they really weren't uh, installed with a standard in mind. If we think back to when the onboard diagnostic standard was implemented in 1996, and you have that check engine light that was built around a standard, uh, that's important to understand that all vehicles are built to that standard. And so there's some level of commonality to approaching the, the failure of those vehicles when the check engine light comes on. Uh, with a collision uh, avoidance system, an ADOS system, there were no standards. We're making up the standards as we go after the fact. So when we look at ADOS systems, there, there are many items that people don't recognize as an advanced driver assist system, including things like pre-tensioning seatbelts that mm. in a collision, when you apply the brakes or the system applies the brakes automatically, it pre-tensions that seatbelt, cinches it up against your body. So yes. when your mass moves forward, it tries to arrest that momentum and, and prevents injury. And that's really super critical to, to recognize. But does the consumer know that? No, they don't. So we're working on vehicles that are significantly more complex than they were 10 years ago. Heck, let's, let's admit, they're more complex today than they were last year, and that's going yeah. to increase every year to the point in the next couple of years, every vehicle will have multiple systems on board that are either voluntarily installed because the manufacturers knew that NHTSA, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration, would require them to do that like automated automated emergency braking. Okay. That's installed on all vehicles that are sold on the showroom floor as of Thursday, September 1st. The, the voluntary mandate or the mandate that was voluntary, voluntarily accepted by the OEMs goes yeah. into effect that all vehicles sold in this country by September 1 of 22 have to have automated emergency braking. That means if you're not paying attention and your kid's trying to hand you a stick of gum or talk to you and you get distracted and you don't see that van in front of them, the car will stop for you. So that's a standard that's been implemented and is one that 
the industry came together on because if NHTSA mandated it, it would be difficult on us as technicians and, and dealerships, et cetera, to repair those vehicles. So the complexity is increasing. So that impacts everything that happens in, in the dealer, in the collision center. I don't care where you're uh, approaching that vehicle from a service perspective. It impacts your workflow. It impacts your, your technician skill set. It impacts the standards in which you take the vehicle in. Do you do a walk around the vehicle every time you bring it into the service mm, drive? Mm. And I'm not talking collision here. I'm talking with service drive. Mm-hmm. You better be doing a pre-repair scan on that vehicle to know how that vehicle arrived. Wow. Because none of these safety systems set a trouble code that turns a check engine light on. At the very most, if they're totally failing, it might set a message on the the dash that says safety systems are disabled, go see, have those systems service now. And that's a little bit different than the check engine light because motors have been uh, conditioned to, oh, the check engine light's on. I probably ought to have that looked at because we've got, you know, 25, 30 years of conditioning towards that. But aid us, we don't. No. Uh, in fact, I just went in and turned it off because it was annoying to me. So mm-hmm. as we take those vehicles in, we've got, to, we've got to process them differently. We need to make sure we have the right parts available to service those vehicles as well. And when we're looking at especially workflow, it's that pre-repair scan that we've got to perform on every vehicle that really comes in the collision center because the, the carriers – the insurance companies want to know what was uh, going on with that vehicle before the collision because oh. they don't want to pay for it. Uh, and the, the collision center really needs to know so that they know how to approach this vehicle and what repairs and or calibrations need to be made to that vehicle before they return it to the motorist. So it's operating exactly as the manufacturer designed it to operate. And if it's not, the collision center opens themselves up to massive litigation and liability, high risk, because it's not the dent in the fender or the quarter panel or the, the ATIS sensor that was damaged and needs to be replaced and recalibrated that costs the money. It's bodily injury yeah. that costs the money. And yep. you've got to protect yourself from that. So pre-repair scan is what Repairify does as part of our core business, where especially the new car dealers and your collision centers that you partner with or that you own and feed uh, all of your dealers into that collision center, you're asking us for OEM factory tools to be used to perform those, those scans. And that's what we do. We have a, a data center with a thousand, more than a thousand factory tools for all makes and models, virtualized that we connect remotely to a device from us that you plug into the vehicle, and we perform that scan for you and provide you with that report in a matter of minutes, so you can make those decisions while you're standing in front of the customer, both collision and mechanical, that helps you set the standards of expectation with that motorist. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's what's important because they're worried about their car getting fixed so they can carry on with life yeah. 
and get rid of that rental car just as bad as you want. Everyone, we're talking today to Chris Chesney. He's with a company called Repairify. He is a refreshing voice in our industry. Chris is the vice president of training and organizational development. And some of the things we're discussing will affect every fixed ops and service manager if they have not already, Chris, in our industry because of all the changes rapidly occurring uh, with that ADAS technology. Um, Chris, we talked a little bit about the the pre-scan. Talk to us now you know, there's a chip shortage that's been going on in our industry. What role is that playing in a service department's ability to source and order parts as well as repair and, uh, you know, reprogram, like you just said, those ADAS systems? Well, the chip shortage, I think, is near and dear to everybody's heart because we all own cell phones and iPads and technology of some sort in our homes, in our pocket. And that's really uh expands the, the opportunity for chip manufacturers, for semiconductor manufacturers. But the COVID uh, crisis really uh, illustrated or exposed the, the fragile nature of that supply chain. And when the, the uh, pandemic occurred, many of the OEM manufacturers, the, the car manufacturers, decided that, wow, this is bad. People aren't going to buy cars. Let's let's reduce our exposure by stepping out of line for our next order of semiconductors, and we'll just wait a minute for that, and then we'll put an order in when sales start to come back. And so they stepped out of line. Well, somebody else stepped in line. Uh, other people did that. Uh, phone manufacturers. Uh, technologies, respirator manufacturers that were building respirators for sure. COVID victims uh, stepped in, in line. And when the manufacturers of vehicles stepped back in line, there weren't any chips to build modules that we use to build cars or control the systems on cars. And now we're sitting here and it affects us too. We build technology that have chipsets in them. Sure. And I can tell you that we were uh, Stepping back in 2020 and in late 2021, we said, oh, my gosh, we're going to be significantly impacted if we don't order chips now. And so we did. And we stuck our neck out and it's paying off because we're not experiencing that shortage and we're prepared to have product available. But manufacturers of vehicles have gotten to the point where they're short chips. Now, let's think about how many chips or chipsets semiconductor wafers are on an average vehicle that's on the showroom floor today with ADIS features installed. It can be as many as 3,000 chips on board that vehicle. And so you're hearing news of manufacturers leaving chips out of the vehicles because they can't get enough of them or the right ones to be able to activate things like seat heaters a seat heater is a creature comfort. It's probably the greatest invention since mankind, except maybe the heated steering wheel. Uh, when it's especially in, in January and February, yes, especially. <laughs> so it's 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 really a handy feature, but it's not not a safety feature. So they are announcing that they're setting those aside. Now they're not leaving the chip out of the car; they're leaving the module that that chip is installed in out of the vehicle. So that 
feature is not active. Hmm. So here's two issues. Yeah. If they don't install the module, it doesn't work, right? So are they telling us they're not doing that? In many cases, they're not. Yeah. Some are. GM is one that has told us about some of their uh, lack of chips, if you will, or lack of modules and features. Who is, are they, in, are they modifying their build data, which is the data that the factory gathers and puts in a database based on the VIN number of that vehicle going down the assembly line, listing what they actually installed in that particular car or truck. Are they installing that in their build data sets? Mm. And if they are, that's great. If they aren't, then we in the service lanes, when we do a pre-repair scan, yes. if that vehicle is supposed to have that module and it doesn't, and it says in the build data that it's supposed to have that module, but we scan the vehicle and we can't communicate with it, what are we supposed to do? Well, we need to go looking for the module visually. And we, we can't trust that the build data is accurate on some of these mm -hmm. vehicles. So we're going to enter a period of time. I believe yes. it's probably a year or two period of time where we're going to have to question, uh, trust but verify, if you will, Everything. the data that we get from the manufacturer uh, with respect to what's installed on the vehicle. What we do is we train our technicians and our customers how to identify those systems. And we have technology that when you do a pre-repair scan, returns the list of ATIS features on that vehicle that are there and well, communicating. Mm -hmm. And we list those based on how the vehicle was impacted. We list the calibrations that you need to perform on that vehicle before you return it to the motorist. So you can build a proper blueprint of repair for that vehicle. And that's hypercritical today with these ATIS systems. We're hearing uh, at this conference now about late very late model vehicles coming back in to the dealership on, on purchase or on trade. And they are, like you just said right now, they don't have a lot of these features, these yep. modules they're missing. And dealerships are now having to proactively look for that, Chris, as these vehicles come in and they have to very carefully analyze them. So what you're saying is spot on and um, Repairify is a great source uh, to help dealerships and help managers through this time because, you know, to navigate this alone is, you know, next to impossible. Uh, Chris, how do, um, how do you work with dealers? How do you work with uh, repair facilities? How do you get them? How do you onboard them and, and get them started with Repairify to making sure the repairs are done correctly? Well, that's a great question. We do have a sales team out in the field that talks to the large groups, and we're actually expanding our sales organization. I happen to be at our sales summit as we speak, mm -hmm. and we're adding uh, bodies in the, in the field to be able to come see you and spend more time with you. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us at, at repairify.com or, or find us there. You can contact us at marketing at repairify.com. And it's important to, uh, to reach out to us and, and just connect with our sales team. And they'll walk you through the opportunities that we have and the services that we provide. 
and how we can help you with pre-scans and the post-repair scans, the calibrations that go uh, along with those, how we can get you in the calibration business. And you would think the OEMs do calibrations well. They have people that can do calibrations well, but when it deals with the collision center, that Mm. collision center may not do them well, and they may not know how. And we can enable them to do that at scale using factory tooling and factory technology, but we'll also onboard that organization with how to get into the the scanning business, uh, how to interpret our reporting that comes with it, the insights that come with that, and and enable their estimators to build a very accurate preliminary estimate so that when you get down the path of the workflow and you're making repairs on the vehicle, that you're not faced at the end of the line before you're ready to deliver the vehicle to the motorist with supplemental estimates that you've got to submit that make the carrier upset, that cost you points in your your program, and you get fined for. We want to help you be profitable at uh, collision repair on today's advanced vehicles by understanding the opportunities and considering pre-repair scans, ADIS features, calibrations as an opportunity that you can get paid for by the carrier with no questions asked if you follow the appropriate processes. So our team can be contacted through, again, you can reach out to us at uh, repairify.com or marketing at repairify.com or reach out to repairify.com and and fill out a form. There's a contact form there and our team will get in touch with you and we'll be happy to set up a meeting and come demonstrate what we can provide uh, for your organization. And, you know, in closing, Chris, it's, it's, you're doing the right thing, but it's also customers maintaining that customer satisfaction because if a dealer is not doing these things, that's going to severely impact uh, the customer's satisfaction and, wanting to repeat and, you know, give referral business to that store as well. Absolutely. I mean, CSI is everything uh, in the dealership world. And the last thing you want to do is have one of your customers have an accident uh, and have the vehicle returned to them. And when they're driving home, they notice that the light on the right outside mirror turns on after the vehicle passes them, not before it passes them like it used to. (laughs) because they will come back. Believe it or not, they actually notice that. Everyone, there are a lot of segments at the Fixed Ops Roundtable, probably none more important. And the only folks talking about this are Repairify. Chris Chesney is the expert. Um, Chris, on behalf of the Fixed Ops community, thank you for sharing this with us today. Uh, It is so relevant and more and more now as we get deeper into it. So uh, thank you, Chris. And uh, everybody, if you would, Please reach out to Chris at Repairify. You see the email on screen, marketing at repairify.com, or just simply go to repairify.com and they can help get you started. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks, Dad. Chris Chesney from Repairify here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable.